What's going on, coaches? Hopefully you guys are uh, enjoying your dead week, listening to this podcast probably on your way uh, out to Florida or California, somewhere fun uh, down here in Texas, but um, enjoying it. I know the kids are. Uh, we're excited. Coach Walls just put out his newest uh, video on RTP install, uh, play action series, play action pass, slot fade and smash. Uh, and it's been an unbelievable series he's been doing on RTP install, which is uh, obviously on, on our website, runthepower.com. Uh, another hour of, of great play action passes uh, and protections. Also really excited this weekend to see some coaches out at track and football consortium down here in texas at mckinney uh excited to see coach holler and and all those other guys that are rebel mindsets and and looking to find a different way uh, to do things and and try to find ways to attract football players and make sure we got the best athletes uh, out playing football and, and make sure they're having fun and learning the game so excited to meet all those guys and, and pick something up from that this week uh, and this weekend so uh, if you guys need anything from us, again, as always, head over to runthepower.com. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Team Builder. Team Builder has recently launched a full year, 52-week football strength and conditioning program that comes free with any Team Builder free trial. Team Builder provides strength and conditioning software to high schools around the country. Whether you write your own programs, have a full-time strength coach, or need training programs, Team Builder can make your program better. Right now, Team Builder is offering a full-year, 52-week football strength and conditioning program that, again, is free with any Team Builder free trial. Visit their website and make sure you enter the code RTP to get their 52-week training program and start your 14-day free trial at teambuilder.com, which is T-E-A-M-B-U-I-L-D-R.com. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Legend Rings. As coaches, we all know the best way to represent our big win is with the championship ring. And the team at Legend Rings wants to help you celebrate your regional and state championship title this season. Their goal is to make your championship ring purchase simple, easy, and affordable from design to delivery. Check them out at legendrings.com or email info at legendrings.com to get started. Let them know that Run the Power sent you and they will make your ring for free. Again, go check them out at legendrings.com. This episode of the RTP podcast is brought to you by our guys over at Just Play. The team at Just Play hooked us up with their product, as you guys know, uh, and it's been a game changer for us. If you've seen us on Twitter or uh, have talked to us about this at all. We obviously especially love the playbook tools that allow us to create our favorite blocking schemes, as you guys know, power, counter, inside zone, pin and pull, uh, and formation so we can save time and be more productive. That's the biggest part. Saves time on defenses, saves time on, on inputting offensive uh, formations, and then easy to draw the play out. Just Play is a limited time offer for RTP listeners only. Get my Just Play Pro for $120, which is an unbelievable $60 off the normal list price. Uh, this offer has been extended uh, and won't last forever. You can get this deal at JustPlaySolutions.com slash RTP. The best playbook tool on the market at JustPlaySolutions.com slash RTP. Don't wait. Go do it today. On this episode of RTP brought to you by Legend Rings, we talk with my college teammate and good buddy, Billy Kosh. Coach Kosh is the offense coordinator at the Virginia Military Institute in Lexington, Virginia. Listen as we talk with Coach Kosh about his collegiate quarterback experience, what he learned as an offensive graduate assistant at Indiana, and the things he has learned as a young college offensive coordinator. You guys can follow Coach Kosh on Twitter at Coach B. Kosh. Hope you guys enjoy. Well, sweet. Billy, let's get it going, man. So, obviously, we know each other, played at Houston, uh, and I know a little bit about you. And, like I said, Facebook friends and following you on Twitter, so I, I keep up with you. But um, how we always started is – Go ahead and let you introduce yourself to everyone else. And, and by that, I mean, kind of give them your football background. Uh, I believe your dad is, is, was or is a football coach as well. Me and Coach Walls is the same. Um, right. And so kind of give everyone your football background from, from playing days uh, to coaching and, and how it brought you to where you are now. Yeah, so um, I'm Billy Kosh, offensive coordinator at VMI, the quarterback coach. Um, going on my fourth season here. Um, as a coach and um, like, a, you know, I was a coach's kid, like you said. So my dad's coached a long time. Um, he's been around some great places, good people. My brother and I 
um, got to be around some good football growing up. So we always lived for Saturdays as a kid. And um, he's moved around uh, different spots. He's a defensive coach. I'm an offensive coach. So he kind of looks at me different, but, um, but in a good way, in all, in all respect, but um, moved around growing up. <laughs> he's, he's been at different spots, you know, Kansas State, South Carolina, Michigan State, just followed him through my career or as a kid. And we loved it. You know, we moved a good amount, but we thought our dad's job was the coolest thing in the world. So we couldn't wait uh, to get to the next team and um, was fortunate enough to be around some good football as a kid, just going to practices. And, uh, my dad worked for Coach Holtz, just hearing his stories, just being around him and how he managed the program. Coach Schneider um, at Kansas State, he was a defensive coordinator for Coach Schneider and um, learned a lot of good football through him. And, and just to be around those type of people through my dad, very, very lucky to have a dad in the profession. And, uh, you know, got into college, moved around a couple times. Uh, Rowdy, we were teammates at Houston uh, for two seasons there um, under Coach Levine. Um, we had some pretty good players there, as you would know, Rowdy. Um, you, you were one of them. I was not. No, I, was, no. I was a really good coach. I didn't know what I was doing. But, you know, I, I had a good time with you guys. And we had some really good players. You know, Greg Ward's a guy that I always remembered, uh, and Rowdy, you remembered, he was tremendous, uh, just how he competed and how he played, um, just made things right for us, you know, and, and got us in a lot of good situations. So um, got to be in that system um, in the air raid under different coaches. Um, I knew I kind of wanted to coach my whole life, but really when I got to Houston, I kind of knew, like, you know what, I really wanted to get into coaching and um, got to impact Greg and those guys as an older guy, not as a player, but just as a guy that kind of was an older guy. So I knew I kind of wanted to do that. Um, got right into coaching. Um, my first job was at a D2 school called Concord University in West Virginia, in Athens, West Virginia. And uh, I was a quarterback coach, GA. My wife is from Houston. We met at the University of Houston, and she actually moved out there with me. That tells you how much she loves me. Leaving Texas to go to the great state of West Virginia <laughs> tells you a lot about her, man. She was She's tremendous. Um, so I was there for about six months um, as a quarterback GA. Garen Justice was the head coach. He's now at Miami as the online coach. So I got to work under Coach Justice, um, and he was, he's tremendous. Uh, he's a tremendous coach, great online coach, uh, great head coach as well. So we kind of ran an RPO-based system there with some zone lock schemes and did some different things that way. So I was exposed to that system, which was great. Um, I got an opportunity to go under Coach Kevin Wilson, who was at Indiana at the time as the grad assistant. Um, had to jump on that. That was a great opportunity. Indiana was very, very good on offense for a couple of years there, especially with Coach Wilson uh, at the helm. And I got to work under a hell of a head coach um, and, a, and a great offensive mind. His speed, his tempo, and the way he does things uh, made me a better football coach. And I had to be on my toes all the time as a graduate assistant. I really had to be on my toes. And he really taught me a lot. There, Coach Johns, a lot of great coaches. Dylan McCullough, Greg Fry, James Patton. Sean Watson was our QC. He was a great quarterback coach. Got to learn, learn under him. And then um, the Coach Wilson got fired, got let go. Um, some staff turnover happened. Coach Tom Allen was the defensive coordinator, got promoted within um, as the head coach. is now the head coach. Um, got to work under Coach Allen. Um, he's a great coach as well. Great motivator. done a great job in Indiana. Um, coach Mike DeBoard came in from Tennessee. Nick Sharon, who's now the OC at Indiana, got work under those guys as well. So I had two staffs in Indiana where I learned a lot of football, like a lot of football, learned how to coach, learned how to work. Um, you know, I thought coaching, you wear a hat and you coach, you got to be detailed. And that's what Indiana taught me, how to be a detailed football coach and learned a lot there. Was going on my third season. I was running out of time and um, was going on in the summer. And then uh, VMI had a receiver's job open. And um, Coach Walkenheim uh, interviewed me for the receiver's job here. I uh, was lucky enough to get that job. I coached receivers for two seasons, was also the recruiting coordinator um, here. And then uh, our offensive coordinator, Brian Shepard, left to go to Minnesota um, as a quality control coach and uh, promoted me within, which I was very grateful for coach and uh, been going on here for two seasons. So it's been a little bit of a journey, nothing crazy, still young, still trying to figure it out, but uh, it's been a great ride so far. Man, I'm I'm kind of curious. Like you said, your first head coach being an offensive line guy. Um, yeah. I, I'm sure, you know, you know you're going to be a coach while you're still playing. So I'm sure you're still you're trying to pick some of that up. But you're also trying to play quarterback still in college. So I'm sure you're you're mostly focused. You know what receivers are doing. You know what quarterbacks are doing. I'm sure you somewhat have an idea of what the offensive line's doing. But then you go as as your first coaching opportunity, and the head coach is an offensive line guy. Mm -hmm. How much 
you know, what are some of the big things maybe you took away from those first couple of years? Uh, because it is such a, I would assume, a different position from what you've done your whole life. And, and I'm sure you've got a lot to learn and, and all that, what every coach says. Uh, but it, it was, I would assume you knew a lot about the pass game, a lot even about the run game. But right. to be, uh, you know, you hear all these great coordinators talk and, and the, you know, the way you're going, you're going to be one of them. But don't, to be a really good coordinator, you've got to understand up front from pass game to run right. game. So how big of an adjustment was that those first few years? And I'm sure a little bit of a blessing. I don't know that guy personally, but a little, at least a little bit of a blessing that he was an offensive line guy to, to help you kind of with some of that stuff. Tremendous. First thing I learned was protection. You know, the football is not seven on seven, you know, and when I was first getting to coaching, I drew up all these routes and had a bunch of ball holders on the board and Coach Justice is like, well, you know, we got to protect for a certain amount of the time, Billy. So you better be able to understand the whole schematics of that. So to learn that from Coach Justice, the protection piece, and also like, you know, I, I like throwing the ball as much as everybody, but you got to run to win. You got to be able to run the football. And, you know, there's factors in football where there's, you know, it's a rainy day, it's a windy day. You got to be able to run the ball or you get in a light box. You got to take, take care of run the football. So Coach Justice was great that way. Um, with run the football and also the protection piece from the throw game and really gave me a bigger vision that way. Same with Coach Wilson. Like, Coach Wilson's really an online guy by trade. He, he, he has been his whole career. So our eyes naturally went to the core first and how the run game was formatted, um, the protection piece with our routes all matched up. So I got to learn from that perspective, which is I think was great for me. So learning five and six man, seven man protections, different protections, using the tight end different ways. Uh, we got to do those things both at Concord, really in Indiana as well. And it really opened my eyes up, understand like, man, we got to play with an line. We got to understand the whole schematics of that. So it was huge. It was huge. And also I talked about the RPO base, uh, things that we did and we're reading different defenders, whether it's a nickel, whether it's a boundary safety and quarter support. Um, we attack different surfaces and different average or different defenses with support. And I got to understand why we're running RPOs. Okay, we're running RPOs versus this quarter structure. This nickel's in a run-pass conflict, three-by-one, the mic's in this run-pass conflict. So it kind of opened my eyes of why we're doing things, if that makes any sense. So those things were huge for me. And Coach Wilson especially, like, we did a great job. Like, he was the first guy, and I'll, I'll say this for Coach, and he was at Northwestern, even Oklahoma, he was going fast but run the football. Like he was getting in different surfaces, 12, 11, um, mm. and also getting spread sets out of those formations and run the football and going fast, which was kind of unique. You know, mommy was throwing the ball, going fast, Coach Leach, but he was going fast and running it and huh. getting in different surfaces, whether it's 12 and all of a sudden now you're in a spread set. Now the defense has to formate to that, you know. So those things I got to learn. I thought that was awesome because it's great to learn those things as a young coach and that's the biggest thing my dad told me when I first got into coaching is, first off, no fundamentals, because fundamentals travel systems don't, but also no protection and no the run game, because really you're, you're heavier in the routes. So that's always what I knew as a pass game guy, as a quarterback, but it really opened my eyes learning protection and learn different ways to run the football with a tight end, not just spread set. So that kind of opened my eyes a little bit, learned from those guys. So yeah, it was huge. It was very beneficial for me. I love that. I think, you know, especially – at least in the South right now, where Iowa, Oklahoma, and Texas, there's so few three-man surfaces, you know, let alone four-man surfaces when you go tight end wing, but there's there's very rarely even anymore a, a tight end. And so um, right. I, it's such a great, at least at the high school level, it's a great change up or a, a great way to be able to really, especially get in 12 personnel, a, a defense just doesn't see it. They don't know how right. to. And like you said, if you're going up tempo, there's not a whole, whole lot of time for them to get adjusted to it. Um, exactly. I think if you great. get in 12, if you can play in 12 and run the football and throw the ball at 12, you're really, really good. Cause you get in different services, different edges, you can create different things and also play in spread sets, which he did in Oklahoma with Gresham and those guys. And yeah. it was elite what he did. I thought it was a plus and it really opened my eyes hundred percent. I think if you, a lot of teams play in spread now, as you know, Rowdy, so right. teams, they, the defense know how to kind of play those things because they're playing against them. Like West Virginia with Rich Rod back in 05 and 06, they're running zone bubble. And teams did not to defend that. That was a nuance. My dad was at Maryland at the time. And now teams are doing that all the time. Now, if you go back to the old ways where it's 21 <laughs> and 12, like how do you defend that? Defenses don't play against that every single day, at least in the colleges that we see, in high schools that we see. And just it's a, it's a different deal. So it's unique that way to think that way, 100%. That's 100%. one of the more underrated offenses, I think. I mean, and again, you know, Coach Wilson was the architect when he had, you know, uh, Sam Bradshaw. Am I saying it right? Was it Sam? Bradford. Sam Bradford. 
Bradford. Yeah, sorry, Bradford. Uh, and Big then, OU I mean, guy here, Walls. Big I, OU guy, yeah. I am. Huge OU dude. Um, oh, good, man, yeah. But, I remember, but, like, yeah, seriously, like, going fast. And like you said, with, you know, the hybrid-type dudes, the Greshams, uh, and moving those guys around, I mean, and they literally were scoring, like, almost 55 56 a game yeah. uh, and and really like you said i mean there's not a lot of people that talk about that he he revolutionized a lot of college football offense and did at northwestern did at northwestern earlier too i gotta make sure i see he did at northwestern and was really on in the early like late 90s he was doing it before anybody else was and uh that offense in oklahoma was legit i got that it's unbelievable demarco murray those i mean they were incredible they were incredible they're fun to watch 100 percent Coach, when you talk about, you know, like obviously all, all the different things you've learned, you know, I'm always interested to talk to college dudes too, just for the simple fact, like, are you recruiting to that system or is it something like, man, we're going to get really good players. If we can get a bunch of tight ends, let's get a bunch of tight ends. We change our offense. If we could get, you know, three elite receivers and one tight end, let's be 11 and let's roll. Is that kind of the deal where it's like, we're purposely trying to be 12 or is it just kind of happen? Hey man, we, we got the tight ends that we want. Yeah. Or do you kind of, you know what, I, I would love to be 12. We're going to recruit the heck out of these tight ends and, and get to it. I mean, I'm obviously Har Harp and I in the high school world, we get what we get kind of, but yeah. I'm wondering if that's kind of the same philosophy for a lot of dudes in college. Like, Hey man, let's get the best players we could possibly get. And then let's tailor our offense to it. Well, the one thing for us, like BMI or I coach, it's, it's a military school. So you would think wishbone like Citadel, um, Navy, Army, they have they run the flex bone to, that as an equalizer, option football. Mm -hmm. And another equalizer to me is just throwing the ball in air raid. So, um, but for us, like, it's hard to find tight ends at this level. So we find big receivers and move them in like everybody does. And that's the way we try to go up as far as that route. It's hard to find them. It really is. So for us, we find the best players. And the one thing that everybody wants to play is receiver now. You know, back in the day, everybody wanted to play running back because that was the position, you know, that, that their best player played tailback or quarterback. A lot of guys want to play receiver now because it's fun and, you know, just the excitement that comes with it. So our head coach kind of went to like, hey, you know, there's a lot of good receivers out there. There's a lot of them. And it's easy to recruit, especially here. So we kind of went that route and found receivers. And in talking and recruiting with our staff, like we try to find big receivers and move them in. We can always move them in. And the one thing about little guys, I love little receivers, but if they can't play, they're on the bus. Like they can't really help you. So Absolutely. For, us, it, for us, we want to get bigger guys. And if they can't play outside, move them in. And all of a sudden they're a line. They can always transform that. It's always easier to move in, you know. So that's kind of what we got into here at least. And we got a unique recruiting deal here at VMI um, because a lot of kids, their first choice is not VMI, to be completely honest. It's just the way it is. A lot of kids rather, you know, go to JMU or William Mary, which is local to us in Virginia, and uh, rather go to those schools because we're a uniform. So, but the one thing that's about is receivers. There's a lot of good receivers out there and a lot of receivers want to catch the ball. So a selling point for us is our offense and what we do. And we can always find those guys. So, um, but tight end recruiting for us, at least we love to find them, but either they're too slow and they're going to be a tackle or they're a big receiver and you just move them in. That's, that's kind of the route we go um, that way. So we try to find big receivers and always try to move them in. That's kind of the process we have. Take the best players and use them. Yep. Those big, slow tight ends, though, make some really, really good tackles no uh, at times, like you said. Uh, so is that uh, there, is it similar to like an Air Force or, or a Citadel where when they're done with their four years, then they're going into the service? Um, it's different. With you guys? It's different where commissioning is actually an option. So um, okay. Navy, Army, Air Force, you have to commission for five years. My brother went to the Naval Academy, was in the Marine Corps, and had to do that. Here at VMI, it's optional. Um, you can choose to do that. Uh, but a lot of kids, one thing we have a selling point here at VMI is once you graduate, you're going to make 70 grand and have a job because <laughs> that's um, nice that's because the academic requirements and there's a there's an honor code here that they know you're trustworthy. Um, you're a model citizen, all that good stuff. So the selling point is after once you graduate, you're set. It's just you got to go through some tough times when you're a cadet. You know, there's some tough times, but you overcome and understand the big picture. And we got great kids here, which is awesome. Sure. Like we we the one thing that's different here is I don't have to check classes. Um, we, I, I literally just coach football. It's, it's a great deal. We got good kids. We got really, really good kids that want to play. And their best part of their day is football. Like at Houston route, at least for us, like practice is probably one of the harder parts of our day. Right. Oh, yeah. At least for me. I'm not going to speak for you, Rowdy, but at least for oh, me. Oh, no, yeah, that's exactly right. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, man, we got to go to practice. And kids here, man, they got their ankles taped. They're ready to go because mm -hmm. it's their best part of their day. So motivation-wise, 
it's easy to motivate these guys to get going, which is kind of a neat deal um, that way. So it's unique. Yep. So, so Billy, I'm not sure, and I should know this more, but I, I just tried to stay in my lane uh, at Houston, but uh, I don't know how much RPO uh, we gave our quarterbacks and let them. I know like when Case was there, obviously he got to do whatever he wanted, but past that, sure. I'm not sure how much RPOs we had or, or anything like that. I'm kind of yeah. curious with, with you at least playing that position and having, I'm sure some sense of that as a player, I've, I've always thought and it's from coach walls. And for whatever reason, he said at one time, it stuck with me forever that like, so years ago, a quarterback, he's got to make all these decisions in the pass game. But when it's time mm-hmm. to go the run game, he basically not literally, but basically gets to shut his mind off for a play. He gets to relax. Sure. He gets to, you know, ref, not, you know, kind of who take a deep breath. I'm going to take my steps. I'm going to, you know, boot out maybe, but I don't have a whole lot going on mentally. It's a, it's a rest for a rep where right. it seems like now, Hey, we're going to zone read. I've got to read the end. If it's some type of a pass play, I'm reading this guy and I'm alerting this guy. If it's a run play, uh, then I've got an RPO. So now it's like almost sometimes they're on overload. Uh, is that ever a, a thought in your mind going into to game planning or am I reading too much into that? Um, yeah. Just maybe talk me through that thought, whether that's wrong or right as a, as a thought, because it's a, a, for whatever reason, it's always been a big sticking point for me. Sure. There's some merit to just hand the ball if the quarterback needs a break, man. Like I'm making decisions consistently or I got my, my, my teeth kicked in one play. I need to get a handoff just to make sure I can get my breath back. But um, we try at least here. We, we are we have RPOs in our system and our quarterbacks will tag the adjustments on the perimeter off defensive structure. And it's really, really simple how we teach it. And um, we teach them whoever the uncovered guy is, the guy who will get the ball to, you know, and on a on a run adjust. So um we try to make it simple for the quarterback. Um, we just read first and second level defenders. We don't count third level defenders, which is a safety at 10 yards. We count backer depth and D-line depth, and we just count numbers on the perimeter, kind of what we did at Houston a little bit with that. And we're at Houston, Rowdy. It was more so we did more run action pass stuff, mm. like pop passes. And took. we had a young quarterback in O'Corn that we just wanted to, hey, man, we're going to run the ball or pop in run action pass and take the decision out of the quarterback, you know, and make the coordinator call it. And um, then obviously with Greg, we started reading every defender on the field <laughs> as far as the read game, um, because obviously he did some great things with his feet. Um, yes, he did. So he was tremendous that way. So um, for me, at least what we try to do, I, one thing I try to do as a coordinator, I always base it around the quarterback and we got different quarterbacks in our offense and we're multiple that way. So our star of this year, Reese Udensky, is going to Maryland as a grad transfer. He was a drop back RPO passer. He was not really a read, read option, read element quarterback. That was not his game. So we usually RPO things because he was really good at seeing defenses and getting to the proper run adjust off looks because we trained him correctly and he was good that way. And he was really good in the quick and the drop back passing game. He was very, very good. And he got hurt. And then um, our backup came in, Seth Morgan, is a, a redshirt freshman. Um, he was more like John where it was more plashing game, like take the decision out of the RPOs or just reading the end or reading a three technique or reading a backside will. Um, different things like that. So I kind of catered around that quarterback, if that makes any sense, what he could handle. Um, because at the end of the day, it's about the quarterback. It really is. As selfish that it is, Rowdy, it really is. And we try to put around that guy what he does best. And we want to be multiple that way. So um, I think there is some merit to just hand the ball off. But we try to teach it as best we can with the RPO with the RPO systems, what we do, and, and off leverages, off looks, you know, run a bubble, run a you know, double slant off man coverage, um, just teaching those guys defensive structures in the beginning during the summer so you understand what we're trying to attack on the edges, if that makes any sense. Um, so, yeah, we try to teach it that way. Yeah. Gotcha. No, no, it doesn't sound selfish. I'm, I'm completely, <laughs> completely with you. That's it's, uh, I like watching NFL games because uh, there's a lot of high school guys that don't, but, I think that's where there's the most evenly matched teams is the NFL because you've got unbelievable freaks on one team. You got unbelievable freaks on the other team. And almost every single year, the team that wins maybe doesn't have the best quarterback, but they've got a dude at quarterback. So it's to me, I base a lot of stuff off of that. It's obviously that that is a huge, important position is is having that quarterback and having a, a system that fits that quarterback, whatever that might be. Right, just around him because at the end of the day, he makes the decisions and it will make him comfortable in what he's doing. And we try to make it simple to what we do in the RPO system, just to make it simple for him so he's not constantly in question, you know, that he always has an answer. That's the biggest thing I, as a coach, have to do is give him an answer versus certain looks. If you get a six man box, what do we do? 
it's a spread set. You know, what do we check to you know zone read or what what do we do to give him answers that are simple that he can that he can take advantage of. Coach, have you said I know you said you know you're taking some of these bigger receivers and and moving them down, moving them into the slot. Is that something now you guys have kind of felt like maybe you have to do when you're throwing some of your perimeter screens and you yes. have to have a little bit better matchup with, you know, the hybrid safety, the hybrid outside linebacker that could kind of beat up your truer, you know, smaller slot guys, right. uh, especially if that's a part of your offense, you know, they're going to load you up. And then also, I've also found, you know, you're, you're running RPOs, you know, the glance RPOs, the, the shorter throws you have to having a little bit bigger catch radius. Correct. makes it a little bit better is that is that kind of your guys's line of thinking because i've i'm gravitating more towards that as well as yeah. a as a receiver guy 100 percent. i remember just listening to coach saban there there's you know there's weight classes in boxing for a reason you know the heavyweight you know and the lightweight that's why the heavy heavyweights the, the champ are the bigger dog because big people beat up little people i firmly believe that and the one thing i noticed and we had deontay greenberry houston rowdy that you know greenberry was covered but sometimes he wasn't because of his catch rate and his length and his size yeah, and, he was unreal. And the, and the one thing, too, is, you know, another thing to bring up on the perimeter is sometimes you got to tackle those big guys on the perimeter. You know, those corners, those, they yes. got, they, you yes. know, they got to tackle and you create, you know, an extra two to three, like a big back almost running inside zone or power. He can gain an extra two or three yards because of his size and his physicality. Same thing with the perimeter and also blocking, like you said. That's why we're kind of getting to that, that mold of bigger guys doing those things. And we try to match it up on our RPOs where the big guys usually blocking. And the little guys run it and, and, and have those things kind of in place. But I firmly believe that and, and for blocking, also for one-on-one contested catches, the competitive catches, um, those big guys make the plays usually with their size. And Grant Hurd, who I J for in Indiana, he was at Ole Miss, and he had those big receivers with Treadwell and uh, the guy who plays for the Seahawks now that can run, Metcalf. Like, those guys were problematic because they were so big. And um, like you said, on the glance RPO, like – he can he can be covered, but his arm length's out there, and that DB's got to go through his hands and his arms. And he's still not covered because his arm length's out in front, and that's a problem to most D, to most DBs. So, and 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 another thing I always hear about DB coach talk about is tackling, and I think tackling big people is hard, and tackling space is hard too. But also just tackling a big a receiver on a little corner that's a matchup waiting to happen that we try to try to take advantage of. And our best receiver for us, uh, Jay Harris, he plays the inside and out. And he's six four, about two hundred fifteen pounds. He runs a four seven at best, but he runs by people. But he, his arm length—he's never covered because of his arm length. Um, because I, I, that's a big deal. And you always talk about big corners. Everybody talks about big corners, big people on the edge with arm length. That's a big deal now. And same thing in receiver play. But it's always good to have a scat little guy can play in the slot. But you can find those guys. But the big guys that are mismatches. Those are problems on corners. And then you also can match them up inside and run the inside nine and have a good arm length there too. So um, it's been big for us. It's been very helpful. And when I first got here, receiver coach, we had little receivers. They were good. But I was like, you know what? We need bigger players, need bigger people. And it's been helpful for us. Our, our bigger receivers have helped us tremendously in this league um, because, you know, the corners in this league, they're about 5'10", 5'11", 6 foot. And you got a 6'4 kid out there playing receiver, that's a matchup waiting to happen. You can't wait. You're just you're, – you're drawing up plays, get that guy the ball in certain situations in your formation and things to get that ball matched up on a certain defender. So um, it's been big for us, 100%. Um, big, people, big people beat up little people. Firmly believe that. That's a, that's a big deal for me. Dude, you, you've talked a lot recently about – just in this little, you know, 30 minutes so far, you've talked a lot about personnel and, hey, this guy's a matchup against this guy and, and – Hey, they've got a 5'10 guy. I've got a 6'4 guy, or he's slow. I'm fast. How do you go? How do you personally, or, or you as a staff, and you don't have to give everything away, but how do you go through and grade a defense? Uh, because as you've mentioned, it, it's so much hey, can we get our best guy the ball against their worst guy the ball, or a guy that sure. does really something really, really bad? Let's make sure someone we've got that's good at that goes against that guy. How do you got how do you go through and, and kind of either whether it's on paper or in your head, whatever, go through and try to find those mismatches on a, on a Sunday. Sure. So we, you know, we come in on Sunday and obviously everybody does a drive by of the game and we watch, you know, teams and I every coach, we don't have GAs, we're FCS. We don't have GAs. And um, so I ask our receivers coach and I ask our online coach or I ask our running back coach and each coach has eyes on certain positions during the week and they're watching front stunts, you know, our running back coach looking at blitzes and our, our, our receiver coach looking at our DB play. And the biggest thing I ask them, you know, I go through a checklist of just base things. And then I get to personnel 
And then I ask, okay, who's a fish? Who's, who's a corner? Who's a DB? That's a problem. And they'll say, hey, it's the boundary corner. It's the field corner. It's the field nickel. It's a nickel. And then I, I ask some questions formation. Okay, where's he line up formationally? Okay, and how do we get that guy formation to get that our best player on that position, on that guy, if that makes any sense? You know, are they a corners over team in an upset? Okay, great. That boundary corner comes over. We can match them on number two. There's a matchup. Um, things like that. Um, we just look at really just the base structure of formations, how they play it. And we can move our guys in our offense to put them in certain spots to be successful. And the one thing I told our receivers coach, he's done a great job of doing is all our receivers know each position. So our X knows the Z, the Y knows the, every position, just in case we can move people and put certain matchups on certain things. Because certain offenses, hey, the X only does this. The H only does this. So the one thing I told our, our, our receiver coach, he's done a great job teaching is all those guys know the, the cohesive offense, the whole schematic of the offense where you can move people and get certain matchups on certain formations and certain personnel. And that's been beneficial for us. It really has. So, um, but really just look at their structure and look at the, who the fish is and what formations does he line up in certain spots where he can take advantage of a guy in a slot or an outside corner. Maybe it's an FIB formation, FSL, and you're three by one, you got one on one in the field, and that's the guy you want to take advantage of. Um, just things like that we look at on Sunday. And then during the week, we progress and go and try to match it up. But really, at the end of the day, for us on offense, it's about people, it's about players, and it's a player's game. I, I mean, coaching is great. I love coaching. We're all coaches, but at the end of the day, they run, they catch, they block, you know, they, they do it. And it's on us just to get those guys in position to make the play. And, um, so formationally and players, that's a big, big topic of discussion during the week. How do we get our best players the ball on certain defenders, on certain formation looks? And we try to match it up that way. Man, Billy, it, you just mentioned, you know, one of my favorites that I don't ever see hardly in high school, so we ran a ton of it, uh, which is those nub sets. Whether yep. it's 12 or 11 personnel or even we've gotten to some 20 and gone nub uh, with him off and then kind of the two receivers onto the field, it, it's – like I said, I, I very rarely see it, but there's just so many tough answers that a defense has to – they almost have to make the decision. Like you said, are right. they going to go corners over? Are they going to try to play their corner high and their safety down? Or, you know, how are they going to react to that? And, and it almost makes them pick their poison, uh, whether they're going to be less uh, over for the throw or they're going to be less over for the run yep. or you know, to, the, to the nub side, are they going to be less to the run – you know, to the field side, it just – it really makes them have to choose. And and honestly, one of my favorite formations is 12 personnel, nub to the boundary um, because it's just such a difficult look, I think. It's revealing. It's a revealing formation. It gives you information. And another thing, too, is, like, they keep the quarterback side. And he can't tackle. Run at it. Run at him. You know, make him tackle. You know, make yes, him yeah. make plays. Yeah. You know, there's things you can do – with those sets that, like I said, it's revealing manner zone, but also if they keep a cornerback side and he can't tackle, make him tackle because that's how you create explosives that way. Um, so that, that's been big for us is just those revealing formations. Also, when you motion a back out manner zone, like there's things you can do within an offense that can give you information, you know, and it can help a quarterback manner zone, you know, things like that, um, that can give you information pre-snap. And Nub does that, motion the back out does. Things like that, we try to do a little bit. And there's a big thing with teams that we're, we're a, te a tempo team, like most teams, and we're a speed team. But motioning and going fast is a really good thing as well. If you motion and go fast and make defenses get their eyes in, right, in certain spots and right positions, you can create stress for a defense. And that's one thing that we're trying to kind of involve even more so, too, is going fast but also motioning and getting information for that quarterback. And I, and I think you see a lot of those those up-tempo teams really take advantage of of P and 10s to do that stuff. Hey, Correct. let's have a big trade. Let's have a big motion. Let's do it on P and 10 that way. We're not taking any time away from our up-tempo offense, but a defense still has to be prepared for it. 100%. Yes, 100%. So, so my question is, so at, at Houston, like you said, we, we were up-tempo there for a long time up until the last few years. It was sure. always, we're going to be as fast as we can, really high tempo. And because of that, we're basically only going to run some type of inside zone uh, because the defense isn't set. Uh, we don't know what they're going to be. And, and then we started to get into some pin and pull uh, my senior year and some different things, but we were a much less tempo uh, when we started doing that stuff. Knowing your tempo, is that something you have to be aware of when you're calling certain run plays? 
or do you feel comfortable with your line kind of making that adjustment on the fly when a defense isn't set? Uh, what kind of goes into your thought process as far as tempo and certain schemes that, that are a little bit, you know, more difficult maybe uh, without a set defense? Sure. I mean, tempo, full zone, you're never wrong. You know, you got a shot usually when you full zone and you, and you, you read the end, you got a chance usually if you're on tracks and you're rolling. And another thing, you know, if you go on balance fast, and run different runs. Now the defense has to get set to a four by four to a side type call, things like that. Now you kind of create the stress there um, that way with that. But, you know, I, with our runs, we're, we're simple with, with our tempos. We don't run out of, you know, I want to make sure if we're on a gap scheme, I want to make sure that we're IDing correctly um, because of run throughs and things like that. At least on zone, you're on traction, you're rolling. You know what I mean? You can pick trash up um, that way. But I think the unbalanced fast stuff is really, really stressful for a defense. I really do. Like four to side things uh, with tempo inside zone, things like that, where you're kind of setting the tempo, you're kind of setting the formation. They got to adjust to an unbalanced four to side set. Now you kind of have the, the cards in your hand a little bit um, that way. So with all of our tempos, they're very simple. They're, they're easy answers, um, but they're stressful as far as I think the, form, the, the beauty of tempo is formation recognition. In my opinion, when you're going fast and all of a sudden you get to a bunch fast tempo set or a bunch wide set or a bunch empty or excuse me, a tempo empty set, those those things stress the defense. I think it's formation recognition. I think that's that's the beauty of tempo football. That's what we try to do, at least at BMI, is make the defense change their eyes consistently and see different things um, to get set fast to create an edge, you know, so. Those are the things that we try to do. Uh, but in the run game, you know, I'm always kind of weary of gap schemes with tempo just because, like I said, of run-throughs and IDing. But at least with zone, at least you're rolling, running on traction, you can pick up trash. There's a little, there's a little less error there, if that makes any sense. So um, that's kind of the way we do it, um, that way with tempo. But I think formation recognition is a booger bear. I really do. I think teams struggle with that when you go fast, empty. You got to have an empty check fast. Um, unbounce, um, bunches, like everybody has a bunch check, you know, things like that where you're creating stress for a defense, but it's very inexpensive for the offense. And what's crazy is, is – these kids learn tempo plays better than like drop back pure progressions, like R and L words, because, Hey, we just call this whatever, like we call it Rico and the kids know it, you know, they can learn that faster than a whole pure progression type play that we put in and install. They can just learn the R and L word faster. That's just the way they learn. And we play to those guys. We don't play as coaches. So if they learn those, you know, a lot easier then we're going to cater to those guys and play for them and make it easier for them. So, um, but to answer your question, I just think the zones and the tempo recognition with the formation recognition puts a lot of stress on a defense. I really do. Coach, you said, you know, you, you teaching your receivers all, all the different spots. Um, I'm interested always to kind of hear how, how guys do that. It feels like there's a, a few different ways. I mean, obviously we're all meeting together, you know, we're teaching the whole play and doing things like that. How do you then, you know, kind of get those guys the reps they need? Hey, you know, you're, you're playing the X, you're playing the slot. You're going to be our, our designated move guy. You know, how do you guys maybe kind of script for that in practice? Uh, or how do you guys kind of come up with periods? You know, just interested to hear how you guys do that, you know, being a receiver coach. Sure. So obviously we conceptually teach in the beginning in the meeting room, but with freshmen, at least with the guys that get here, we put them in one spot and they learn it. Okay. And once they master that position, then we can move them inside because really for us, our X and our Z, our X is on the left and the Z is on the right and the plays flip and flop. It's just the inside things. You got to learn the nuances inside. So if there's a guy that, Hey man, like he struggles learning, he's, he can only learn one spot. We'll keep him there. But if there's guys that master that position and can have some value inside. We'll start moving those guys in practice. I'll give our receivers coach, Hey man, put, um, put Dre inside the wide this series and see what he can do. You know, cause Dre's been here for a year at Z he knows X and Z and now we're going to try to train him to why and we'll kind of plan it out in camp and we're very cognizant going into camp of like our reps and what we're trying to get done um, with our plays so one thing that we try to do uh, early on before camp goes we'll, we'll script our first five practices and kind of have a plan of what we want to get done and there's certain things like hey I want you know Dre to get the Y this this series he's a Z and then I want to get you know Max at H this series because he's an X I want to make sure those guys can play those positions because if we have injuries you want your best players on the field, you know, because you don't want to be handicapped that way. So the guys that are kind of, you know, after their first year, they get it, they master, or they're kind of early, they're kind of learning quick. We can start moving those guys 
as they master that first position, if that makes any sense. And then we script it as we go, and our receivers coach and myself get together prior to practice or just before the we, we script review and kind of go over what, what guy gets what rep to make sure those guys can master it. Hey, so I, I'm moving to an, an up-tempo type offense. I've been the past six years. We're in a huddle, and it takes a little while. So I've always ran the defense because I, I enjoy doing that. It lets me script during the day. It lets me see the different fronts and kind of go through those things. Um, you know, and, and draw up the defense on these big cards. But that works really well when everyone's going into huddle and then break the huddle. And, sure. and maybe you're a little bit past this. Obviously, you are now as the OC, but I'm sure you had a hand in it at one point. How are you guys for an up-tempo offense? How are you carding that for your defense so you get a, a good look from your scout defense? We don't card at all. We do not card okay. um, because we want to lose our tempo. We feel like our tempo is one of our advantages. Um our philosophy on offense is PET, protect the ball, explosive plays, and tempo. And the one thing we want to teach our guys, we teach them early, is how we practice and how fast we go from drill to drill, from play to play. We don't want to lose that. So um, one thing our old line coach did a great job of doing, he set the fronts, and our, our tight end coach did the backers, and then our, our DB coach, excuse me, our receiver coach, and our running backs coach split up the secondary. And we had to learn, obviously, we have terminology of how we call defenses. And um, those guys go on the fly and teach fast. They really do. Now, the one thing, if, it, if it's a particular blitz, if it's a third down blitz or whatever it is, that's kind of a nuance. We'll take our time and, and make sure we get the right look. But normal down and we're rolling, they're playing their base defenses. We're not going to slow the tempo down because we want our guys to play fast because I don't want them to have bad habits because our tempo is one of our advantages. So um, we do not card unless it's a third down or a type of deal, it's a nuanced blitz that we haven't seen um, that we need to walk through. Um, we'll slow the period down. But I was telling uh, another podcast I did earlier, like we get about 60 to 70 play snap in team periods. And we have about two or three team periods. We go fast. We try to get as many snaps as we can possible. And these kids learn by doing. We firmly believe that. Like I think in a meeting room, at least, at least for VMI, like after 15 to 20 minutes, those guys are tapped. They got to go do it. They're kinesthetic learners. So we do a lot of walkthroughs. We do a lot of things on the field and they learn by doing. So um, there's for the for the card sake of it, we just don't card. We just don't because we don't want to lose our tempo, lose our speed, understand the process of how we play. I think that's just very important because it's our one of our identities on offense. We don't want to lose that. But if there is a, uh, you know, America's Blitz, they do a, a different pattern of America's Blitz. We want to make sure we slow it down and make sure we get the look correct. Um, but I make sure that we segment in a third down period that we're getting the right right looks and the right tempo and the right amount of plays that we get the proper look for the O-line, the backs, the quarterbacks as far as protection. But um, we do go fast and practice. I think we just want to make sure that we can roll. In Indiana, we did the same thing when I was a GA. I was like basically a defense corner. O-line GA ran the front. I ran the back end. and <laughs> We were rolling, man. I was like – I felt like I was Dick LeBeau out there calling the defense. <laughs> and it, it was it was fun. And taught you how to coach fast. And it took a lot from that. So um, that's the way we kind of operate here. It's been very beneficial. Our coaches do a great job of getting these guys lined up, do a heck of a job doing that. So um, that's kind of the way we do it. What um, you talk about third downs, is that something that you guys try to hit something every day third down wise? Do you have a certain day that you say, hey, this is our third down day. Let's make sure. And, and hey, everyone, this is third and oh, this is all of our third and eight to, well, you know, 12. How does that work for you guys? Because obviously that is such an important down. Sure. So like Mondays, it's normal down. We do uh, normal down and coming out on Mondays, like base down distance and normal and uh, coming out. And usually your coming out's usually similar week to week. We don't have a big coming out plan. And we I do the I'm a big numbers guy. And one thing I look at as years past, like how many how many coming outs do you really have the year before? And how much time are we really spending on those things during practice? Is it time spent? You know, is it that we need or do we, can we do other things that are more valuable to what we do? Um, so we'll do that. Then Tuesdays, we'll do third and long and high red. So it's all third and long as far as scenarios, um, extra long. And then third and medium, third and short on Wednesdays with low red. And then kind of on Thursdays, obviously that's kind of a rev up day. We'll do all the scenarios that we need to get done. It's kind of a scripted type deal, kind of play the field with third downs, low red, high red, and with some goal line at the end. That's our last period that we do. But Tuesdays and Wednesdays are big third down days, and we break them up by, by situation and by down and distance. 
And then Thursday, we kind of – things that we didn't address very well during the week, Tuesday and Wednesday, I'll make sure we do it on Thursday to make sure we see those pressures, those coverages that are kind of different on third down to make sure our quarterbacks, O-line, backs, receivers are seeing those things on Thursdays. So um, that's kind of the way we do it that way. But I think the biggest thing I, I took from my first year coordinating is, you know, what do you really need in practice? You know, what's valuable? Like, are you spending too much time on coming out? Are you spending too much time on third and extra long? What are the numbers? You know, what, what are the analytics telling you? And you kind of use those numbers as a gauge to see what you need to rep in practice and what you need to do on a game call sheet, if that makes any sense. So um, those are the things that we try to address during the week. And um, it's it's good. Usually have a you know a third down period, Tuesday, Wednesday, and it's it's a good period and, and get the blitzes that we need to see and the O-line seeing the backs are seeing things, four strong, four weak things that defenses are doing to make sure that we're addressing those things during that week. I love that stuff, dude. It's stuff that so yeah. seems so simple, but is so smart. Like, hey, how many times are we doing this? Okay, uh, how many times are we practicing it? Okay, we could be practicing other stuff. I think that so much of that gets overlooked. I think it's it's really simple, but really, really smart stuff. Correct. I mean, my first year, I, I had too many calls in my call sheet the first couple of weeks. Because I didn't really know, and I realized, you know what? I really don't need all these calls. I can run another base play again. Our kids know it. And at the end of the day, it's about how they execute. And I learned a lot. I learned a lot for that first season. Okay, this is what I really, really do need. And this is what we can really spend our time during practice to rep, if that makes any sense. It, it really has been beneficial for me that way as a first-year coordinator. What when you when you then deleted coach, knowing you'd you'd had maybe you know too many base calls, were there areas that you felt like, man, I, I need to have more? Like I know in my experience, I I didn't have enough red zone passes. You know, yeah. you get into games and you're like, man, I'm I'm running out of bullets here. So yeah. that was kind of one thing. I'm I'm interested to always hear, you know, what were some things that you found I, I need to have more of this offense? I felt like I had enough base down distance. I felt good. Um shot wise, I felt good. I had five to six a game. Um Third medium is the one – is the one. Is there's some carryover from normal down to third medium usually because defenses are kind of similar in that situation. Some are different. I get it. But um, I would say third medium and third short are kind of the two that I kind of – I could add a couple more in the chamber. I, I thought I could add a couple more. Um, goal line, I thought like I had too many, <laughs> honestly. Um, I think I had too many pass plays um, down there, different concepts. Oh, that no. Yeah, I know exactly. Um, the old line coach was was cussing you under his breath. Hundred <laughs> percent, rightfully so. Um, but that that that's the situation. I, I would say is third me and third short. Um, I could have had a couple more, but based down, I feel like I had too many. I really did, and I had like different variations of our concepts, and I didn't even call half of them. You know what I mean? Like everybody runs snag. Everyone's two by two snag, and I had snag with a different with the Y on a, on a on a post or a corner. At the end of the day, just run the corner. You're good. Like, don't have to rep different things. We're kind of wasting our time during practice where we can just run it one way. You know what I'm saying? So those are things that, you know, I'm kind of learning as I go, but it really helped me out a lot. But third medium, third and short were the two situations I felt like I could add more. Awesome. I'm taking notes here too, Coach. So I learned, <laughs> so, so, I learned from others' mistakes. I did the same, man. Like I said, I, I you start tr trying to, you know, practice all the, you know, different ways we could run it. Whereas, you know, like you said, hey, let's just run normal snag and then, if all of a sudden they change it on film and I want to adjust it, we'll have a tag. And all, all right. one guy has to do is change it. It makes it easier. But, yeah, I've done the same thing, man. 100%. Yep. So so I'm curious. Obviously, you've kind of been, you know, as a player, you're, you're learning football the whole time. And so you go to a coach, you become a coach. And I, I know it's a lot of differences, but you know football already. You've been doing football to me, like the scary part of being a college football coach is the recruiting aspect. I mean, it's not something that you pick up and, and you do. And a lot of guys just kind of have it. I'm sure you're an unbelievable recruiter because you get along with people so well and, and you're such a personable guy. But there was no like teaching, I wouldn't think, point of that for you. Maybe you hosted a, a few guys. I, I don't know. But there's really no teaching point of that until, OK, here you're in it. And then even, you know, you become a GA at a place like Indiana. I, I don't know all the rules, but I knew there for a while those guys weren't allowed to go on like the road and recruit. You're basically right. picking kids up or, or whatever the deal is at, at that place. How do you get, how do you get into that? How, how do you, do you have any thoughts on recruiting as a coach, like four coaches that are like, eh, I, you know, college, it's kind of scary. Uh, all the recruiting stuff. You, you can't, 
there's really no book to go to learn it. Like you probably could learn how to run inside zone. Like how did that all come about for you? And like I said, I'm sure you're unbelievable at it because you are, you know, such a personable guy. I think the number one thing I had to learn was evaluation. I think that's the number one thing um, I had to learn is what to look for in a quarterback or we have position profiles on different positions that we have as, as area recruiters. But the biggest thing was figuring out how to evaluate a player. I think that was the hardest thing. And it's funny, you know, you guys know, like every some high school coaches say, hey, this guy loves football, but how do you really know if he loves the game? How does he know if he's going, you know, you got to see it. And the one thing I've learned is seeing guys live and especially quarterbacks and seeing those guys compete live on a Friday night and see those guys, you know, after a bad play, how does he respond? Is he a negative guy? Does he rally the guys? Does he have toughness? Is he competitive? That's the number one thing I look for in a quarterback is, is competitiveness. And guys, no matter what the situation, if it's rainy and cold or having a bad day, I'm still going to compete. So the number one thing was evaluation and quarterback play for me. I had to learn how to evaluate. And Coach Watson, uh, who's at UNI now, has been in a lot of places, great quarterback guy, taught me how to evaluate quarterbacks on film. And one thing he taught me was great, and I'll share is, you know, how you do, how you evaluate accuracy as a passer. That's another thing that's very important for me is accuracy as a passer. And, you know, you can see that in shorts. That's great, you know, but when you have a live rush and you got to, you know, change platforms to throw the football. But, you know, seeing a guy throw the ball versus man coverage is huge because if you watch the NFL, um, a lot of match man coverage in the NFL, as you guys know, and those are the best passers. Those are the best of the best in, the, in, in, in football. So, evaluate guys versus man coverage and for me evaluation wise was huge and seeing the guys put the ball in different spots I think that's huge so evaluation for me was number one and then you know one thing my dad kind of told me is really recruiting's effort you got to work at it you know and you, you really do you got to hustle you got to get information um, you got to ask different people different sources you know you can ask one coach but maybe ask an opposing coach Maybe you ask whoever uh, close to that person uh, or seeing that person play. You got to gather as much information as you can because obviously, especially a quarterback, can't miss, especially in college. You know, you can't miss. It's like the NFL, you can't cut them. You got to keep them, you know, as much as you can. So, um, but just evaluating and seeing those guys was really big for me, uh, evaluation piece. And then obviously just getting the information correct. And understand what's important and, and seeing character and getting around people and, and seeing who the decision maker is in that person's life. That's another big thing um, in recruiting. I remember Coach Levine, uh, Rowdy, he was a hell of a recruiter. I mean, we had some really good players. At yes, Houston. he was. And, and that's one thing that he – I don't think he got enough credit for. You know, whatever people want to Correct. say as a, as a head coach, and I'm sure Herman turned everything around, I get it. But sure. the guys that Herman had were some yeah. freaks and, and – um, you know, Ed Oliver, I, I know everyone thinks that Herman, Ed Oliver was already basically on the team for three years. I mean, they've been <laughs> talking to him through through his brother for, for five years at that point. Correct. And he did a great job of, obviously he did a great job of evaluating, but we just had a lot of great players there at Houston. I get it. It's, it's a it's a hot bend for recruiting. You don't have to leave the area too far to find a player. But um, just, you know, how to communicate with guys and figure out what's important. We got some really good players there. We got some really good players, guys that probably shouldn't have been there. They're probably Big 12-type players or they're SEC-type players or lower SEC-type players. And uh, the way he did it there was tremendous to see how he did it um, there. But really, it's just – to me in recruiting, the number one thing is evaluation because I think you, you can effort you – can, you can talk to kids, you can DM them, you can you – know, all that stuff, but you got to get the right kid. You really do, especially here at VMI because we have the military piece here and they got to last – through different challenges. It's not like going, you know, we went around to University of Houston where it was fun and we went, you know, with the class and here they got to march, they got to do different things, uh, wear a uniform every day. And some kids you think would make it and they don't. And there's some kids you would think have no chance of making it, make it because they need the structure. You know what I mean? So that's a piece here that's kind of challenged me a little bit is find the right kid here to make it through VMI. It's been a great challenge. And, and uh, but really evaluation is number one. You got to be able to evaluate talent. You got to evaluate the right people in your program, in your system that fits your your culture, that fits what you're trying to work at. It's effort. It really is. I mean, it's like, you know, coach talks about recruiting is like shaving. If you don't do it every day, it shows. It's it's very true. So these kids love to be touched, they love to be talked to and communicate with. And you got to hustle with that. You really do. And, um, and find out who the decision maker is in that process. Because it might be a mom, it might be a step, it might be whoever, it might be a coach. And you got to find that person and get that guy on your side and work for him. And, and at the end of the day, it's about, you know, everybody talks about his honesty. 
in truth because the kids they, they can figure things out now i feel feel like they can kind of maneuver and figure out if you're really being honest with them there's so much social media now going on with offers and hey i, I thought i was the only quarterback getting offered and you offered a kid just yesterday you know what i mean so they can figure those things <laughs> out so just being honest with those guys and, and being communicative that way and really the evaluation piece is so critical in my opinion i love that what you're saying i mean i think i think just you know being able to find that mindset of a lot of those kids, you know, and, and I think you, you talk to a lot of the, the D1 guys too, you know, they're, they're looking for guys. I think, you know, that, Hey, I, I want to go play in the NFL. I mean, you like that mentality. I'm competitive. I think I'm going to be a good player. I'm confident. But then at the same time, you know, you're doing your evaluation piece that, Hey, everybody says that right. does your work ethic match that up? Are all the other people saying like, Hey man, this kid is, he's like dead set on going NFL or he's dead set on going military. He's dead set on this. When those things match up, I think you you really find those dudes and you miss on a lot less of those guys rather than the ones that are, oh, they're great athletes and, hey, man, I want to play in the NFL. And then all of a sudden something hard hits and he just disappears. Correct, 100%. And it's big for us here because I was saying earlier, like some kids you think would make it. You know, they got military and their, and their family and they quit two days in to matriculation, which you become a freshman here. It's, it's, it's basically military training. They quit. And there's kids like they're really good players and you're not worried, they're kind of worried they're going to make it. And they do make it because they love the structure and they're competitive people, you know, and they're going to fight and, and find ways to get, get it done. And that's what's unique about this place is, you know, we do have a great culture here by our head coach. And, but one thing we do have an advantage of is we get military leadership uh, training every single day and it's for free. You know, some guys pay for guys to come in. They bring those Marine guys in and they train their kids and they do it for a week or a couple of days, excuse me. But those guys get it every single day here. And that's kind of a, a nice deal here at VMI that I appreciate is that we got those type of kids that, hey, look, they're getting yelled by a four-star general every single day and they come to practice. I'm just a football coach. They look at me like I get on their butt. And they're like, hey, that's nothing compared to what I get to every single day. You know, so it's kind of unique that way uh, for us. Billy, one of the one of the big things I remember about Houston and being there uh, is is uh, big Gruden guy. Uh, I think you were. So um, I'm kind of curious. Have you have you been able to get into, uh, you know, with some of those maybe NFL guys or I know at the college level, you're obviously busy all the time. But to me, the coolest part was you've got such a big network it feels like when you get into college whether it's NFL maybe it's not that but it, you've got you know it seems like there there's a lot of guys open to talking football at the college level even to us high school guys but you guys are kind of in the same fraternity um, and then obviously with film uh, it seems like every college coach has every other college team's film so you get to go through that what is what is the um, the growth part been with you being in college, just being able to be around even some of the coaches like you've named on your own staff, man, that's, that's, uh, that's pretty unbelievable. The, the people you get to be around. And I know you just a, a guy that loves football and, and loves to learn football. I'm sure it's been, uh, um, busy and hard, but, but a, uh, a great experience that part of it for you as well. 100%. I got to meet Coach Gruden when I was at Indiana. Um, All right. Best day, one of the greatest days of my life. Now, getting married <laughs> was number one. Number two is being Gruden. No, it, it was awesome. unbelievable. Uh, Mike DeBoard, our OC, knew Gruden uh, through his days in the NFL. And uh, he was actually our honorary spring captain for our game. So he came to our spring game uh, when I, my second year there. He got to hang with the staff. I got to talk to him. Um, and again, you talk about a guy who loves football and just can just knows information so fast and just seeing how he evaluates quarterbacks and uh, his attention to detail was tremendous. So getting to meet him was pretty cool. Um, but again, like the guys that I was around, uh, even Coach Walk here at VMI has been unbelievable for me. He's been at UVA as an online coach. He's our head coach. He's been at you know, UVA, Rice, Liberty, uh, the Washington Redskins. He was with uh, Jim Zorn. So he's been around some great people. And for me, my dad told me as a young coach, just listen. Like that's the one thing that you know, don't act like, you know, listen, I never act like, you know, but listen and, and, and get information, you know, and, and try to get as much as you can. And, um, you know, Coach Watson's another guy I brought up. He was big for me. Like the one thing Coach Watson did uh, for me, he was a quality control coach. So he had some time, you know, so um, he, he, he taught me, hey, make a quarterback manual, get your drills together, get your philosophy together and have fundamentals in place. So that's the one thing I started doing was I, I made a drill manual and it made my life better because I think fundamentals is the key to football. It really is because 
quarterback play especially. Like the one thing, Rowdy, when I was a player, I could always take a snap from center, but I could never teach it. You know what I mean? And when I first got into coaching, right. I was, you know, my first year at Concord, I was like, hey, man, take the snap, get it and go. You know, I really didn't teach the nuance of, hey, man, you know, you want to ride the center, get your middle finger in his butt crack, ride the center with your back, with your off hand, um, things like that. And that taught me to really kind of get into myself, understand, like, look, you got to understand the fundamentals first. That's really, really critical. So Coach Watson brought that to my attention. And then obviously with Coach Wilson and, and Coach DeBoer and Coach Sheridan, those guys, what they did in the run game, the throw game, the screen game, and the run or the RPO game, um, I was just listening. And I was just gathering information. I remember, you know, Coach McCall was the running back coach at IU. was with the Chiefs, um, came back to IU. I remember just talking run game with him with run, running back play and how he taught the running back on inside zone, outside zone, um, individual drills that he did. Coach Hurd with the receiver play, Coach Johns with the receiver play. Like, I was trying to learn it all and, and try to become a master coach because I knew as a GA that I wasn't going to be a coordinator quarterback guy my first job because, you know, usually, you know, your quarterback guy is usually a coordinator, usually, not always, but usually. So I had to learn another position. So I learned receiver play in and out. I got the coach receivers here, and it gave me a new perspective on the edge of how to get open uh, versus certain looks, certain versus certain leverages of press corner, off corner, off defender, catch man, things like that, different releases, things I had to learn um, and help me with the whole throw game aspect, you know. And then obviously with the online guys, I was around understanding protections like we talked about earlier, five and six man, seven man protection, sprint out, things that, are, that help the O-line and help the quarterbacks um, with protection, throwing the football, gave me a wider view of how things work, if that makes any sense. So I was just a sponge early. And I told myself, I'm going to learn and learn and and um, have my own drill manual. Um, I broke – when the coaches went on the road recruiting, uh, I was breaking down tape and I was creating my own playbook <laughs> like any young guy just to just to get ideas and have tags of inside zone of UCF doing it, Nebraska doing it, um, counter from Auburn, just things like that, have examples. Like I always take it with me as I, as I grew as a coach. So the biggest thing is just listening and learning. That's the number one thing I want to do as a young coach and, and still trying to do as, to this day. It's cool to hear your, your Sean Watson stories. I mean, uh, Coach Watson actually helped me out a, a ton when I was getting started as well. Uh, he was at Colorado. Yeah. So being a, a young coordinator out there, you know, not really kind of knowing what's what's going on and, and having to coach the QBs. I mean, just always opened up his meeting room. And, and like you said, always had a progression for how we taught things and was just so open with uh, with information that uh, honestly, I mean, he he seriously was one of the guys that was like my start in the, in the business. If I'd had a bad experience, you know, who knows what I might've done. So sure. what an awesome dude, man. He is super detailed, super detailed and taught me how to be detailed and how to run a meeting. Like he talked about, I got to sit some of his quarterback meetings and how he taught the quarterback and through his eyes. And one thing he did a lot, which was cool. He let the quarterback talk. Sometimes coaches love hearing themselves talk and they talk the whole time and the players aren't in, engaging and mm -hmm. he got the players engaged. You know, hey, Johnny, what do you think here? Where are your eyes going here? And he let those guys talk through and they had to pay attention because you get called on at any point. So yep. um, it kind of taught me how to run a meeting, you know, how, how to do that, where it's not just you talking the whole time. It's about the players. And uh, he was tremendous that way. He is a, a big, big influence for me. Huge. Well, Billy, we, we've been on about an hour and don't want to take up too much of your time. I'm sure maybe a little bit sunburnt. Uh, after the last week that you've had, uh, but but the last question I always like to ask guys is: is you watch a lot of film, you're watching offensive lines. What some things an offensive line would be doing that would make you think highly of their offensive line coach? Playing hard and following the ball. I think that's very important. Um, you know, one thing I'll use an example for um, our center, Aiden Jilson, um, high energy guy, high energy guy, and he always follows the play. You know, he plays his tail off and he's, he's physical, but he always follows the play and he's always helping the guy that gets tackled up. You know what I mean? So if a ball carrier, you know, runs outside zone and gets five, he's chasing the play down, helping him up. That means he's following the ball, you know? So I think that's very important for an old lineman. It's just playing hard and always following the ball. Um, and also just keeping the quarterback up in protection and taking pride in that protection. And as you guys know, Rowdy, it's just, that's very, very important, especially for us in the throw game. Also the quarterback, you know, we can't hold the ball forever. And I, I challenge the quarterbacks that we, they can't block. It's not seven on seven. You know, you got to get the ball out. So, um, but those guys taking pride in protection, keeping the quarterback up, but just the fanatical effort and playing hard and playing aggressive. Um, that's something that we try to do here at VMI with our offensive line. And Aiden Jilson's one guy I wanted to at least bring up. He plays with so much enthusiasm. You know, I also want to hone it in where he's not too squirrely, but I also want him to play with great fanatical effort. And he does that. And him falling the ball, helping the, helping the guy up that's a ball carrier, tells you how much he cares about his teammates. It's tremendous. So that's just one example for us that we try to take pride in. 
Coach, man, it's been an absolute blast. Uh, the hour absolutely flew by. I got pages and pages of notes, so appreciate you sharing some things with us. And I also, you know, feel sorry for you that you had to play with with Coach Harp as well. No, that was a lot. It's the other way around. More so for him than with me. I was a liability. You know, I was a good locker room guy. Couldn't really do it. Rowdy was A+. plus. Rowdy was A+. plus. Now, I don't know about that, but but I appreciate you, man. Uh, thanks for getting on here and talking football. I love getting to follow you, like I said, Facebook, Twitter, follow your team, uh, because it's fun watching you, you know, kind of go through the ranks and, and excited to see what happens, you know, the next 10, 15 years. So I appreciate it and then hope to get you back on here, man, or, or talking on the phone uh, here in the next, obviously over the next few years. And that's going to do it for this episode of RTP. We want to again thank all of our sponsors. You guys make sure and go check them out. Help grow our community by telling other coaches about Run the Power. And if you enjoy Running the Power, go get your shirt, long sleeve, or hoodie at runthepower.com. Also, if you have any topics or any questions you would like for us to discuss in the next podcast, simply rate our podcast and then leave a comment in the writer review section of the podcast app. This will help our podcast rating as well as it'll allow us to answer the questions you all want answered. Make sure and go check out our blog at runthepower.com. Follow me on Twitter at Harper underscore Coach and Coach Walls at Coach Brady Walls. Run the Power now also has its own Twitter and Instagram, and you can find that at Run the Power. Hope you guys enjoyed this one. Talk to you soon.